Stephanie Kralovich, you were recently uh, speaking with Stephanie on KPTV. Can you tell us about that experience? Uh, it's a great experience. Any time I get to spend with Stephanie is wonderful. I mean, we, we're, we're Instagram friends and she'll always write and send me products. Hey, do you like this? Have you seen this? And I'll say, no, no, I haven't. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And she's just the sweetest. She shares enthusiasm. With- <laughs> But I have to know, why why the laughter? Um, she is so upbeat, so happy. She's the reason why I'm on KBTV. She was my reference. She is a, a ray of light. At the top of the show, you heard business and life coach Randy Spelling on his book, Unlimiting You, Step Out of Your Past and Into Your Purpose, which is the focus of the podcast today. Randy was born into one of the most successful and famous families in Hollywood history, yet still struggled to find purpose and fulfillment in life. In his book, Randy shares many of his own life experiences and stories from those whom he's coached. The essence of becoming unlimited stems from discovering what matters most and shedding the roles that define us. I'm Gregory Day, you're listening to the Portland Podcast. Today's special guest is Randy Spelling. We're going to review his book chapter by chapter today. A rare indulgence indeed. Thank goodness for the existence of podcasts. Let's begin with chapter one of Unlimiting You, Unlimiting Your Worth. I loved this idea, this concept that I heard once that living in the past causes depression and living in the future causes anxiety. And I think it's a really great summation, right? I mean, it's... It's be here now and be in the present. Looking at the past, and I, I do think that looking at the past is important. I think looking in the future to some degree holds value and is important, but they're small matters compared to all that uh, is within because everything exists within. That's true. The way you feel about yourself, the way you interact with the world. I do want to touch on the butterfly effect, which you touch on in this book, Chaos Mm -hmm. Theory. Very interesting uh, tangent you went on there, and uh, I do want to touch on that later on. Catherine Daly was uh, a very influential figure in your life. You mentioned she's a family friend, Mm -hmm. and uh, she was your acting coach, Mm -hmm. and she's much more than that. Yeah, she was the person. So she would always come over for uh, family holidays. She was my sister's acting coach. And so it was really? kind of... Ju- yeah, it was just... I didn't know that. And Katie, you know? Right, um, okay. And we lost touch for a little bit. And then when I started acting, and you know, I was working with her as an acting coach, and um, we would just do these sessions. And she would always tell me about these Chinese herbs that she was taking and just alluded to the fact that there was more. I just knew that there was something else in one day sitting across from each other i i'm she recalls this i i I don't remember what i said but she said that i said there's 
there's more to more. you there's than the more herbs, than yeah. the herbs yeah right, yeah this is and in the book she took that as a confirmation to okay he's ready and just went down the rabbit hole of all these experiences yeah. that she had and you know some things that everything she said it just it hit home and i was a teenager at the time i was 17 and in a, in a tumultuous time of life of finding myself you know what am i going to do after high school and do i want to act do i want to yeah. go to school and it just everything she was saying it, it for some reason even though i didn't it resonated with it you. just made sense it just felt like home and that started my self-discovery path of meditation psychology spiritual psychology metaphysics you name it really at 17 years old at 17 very young Yep. Wow, that's great. Uh, chapter two, unlimiting your connection. I know I'm breezing through these, but there's a lot oh, to cover. Okay. There's so <laughs> much in this book. Uh, 3 a.m. Sunday, August 2006, you were in a bad state. You're 27 years old. Your body was in fast forward and rewind simultaneously. Beautifully written. Thank you. Uh, I know, what made you come up with that metaphor? Um, I, I used to um, write poetry and do music. Beautiful. And sometimes life feels like that, you know, being fast forward in rewind. It makes so much sense. Right, right. I mean, it did to me, but you never know that the reader's going to feel the same way. Um, And I feel like that now in life with kids. I, I feel like I'm living fast forward. Life is so fast. And yet there's a part of me that wants to beckon the olden days when things are slower. And um, it's just this, this loop. So yes, that night. Did, was there a question about that night? I just wanted to mention it. Uh, you had an out-of-body experience. Yeah. You could see your body. It was scary. Oh, my to goodness. Me, actually, I, th- I thought I had died. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was unbelievable to me, too. I literally thought I had died and heard this strange noise and was looking at myself, and I couldn't move and was looking at my body. And a little bit of context here is, you know, I'd been up for a couple, a, a day or two. This was right in the throes of addiction. My father had passed away, and I just was at this place of probably on the verge of death. I mean, I, I literally was right at that door. And Sounds like it. I mean... Yeah. And and so I said to my, I, I literally had dropped to my knees and said, I'm, I'm done. If I'm supposed to live like this, if this is what my life is going to be like, I'm, I'm through. Take me out. I'm not going to take my own life, but take me out. If not, you know, in my heart, I feel that I'm here for more. If, if that's true, I don't know how, but help me. You had a few of these moments, right? I mean, these moments of clarity. Yeah. Like little steps, you know, you took steps along the way. And what I love about this book, too, is that you've met so many interesting people through your work. You talk about the dangling carrot. You quote uh, a lot of Eckhart Tolle in this book. You talk about being out of balance, finding an inner state of of being. You have a tendency for perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And uh, we learn quite a lot about you in this book. It's sort of a biography in some ways. Although you're a very private person. Yeah. I get that. I get that from your Instagram page, too. And that's something that's very important to you. Yeah, I... I, I, I'm private and I'm not private. I, I keep my kids. I try not to show my kids yeah. and expose them on Instagram. Not because, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm Michael Jackson and I have that much fame. It, it's not that. It's just I figure that when it's their time and they get a phone and they get Instagram, they can choose to do that or not. But I see that people can be mean and harsh. Luckily on my account, 99% of people that write are very nice and they follow me because they want motivation and inspiration. Right. 
But, you know, I just didn't want to expose my kids like that. But I do use myself. I mean, I, I, I feel like one of my gifts is to experience life and share the way that I experience life and the lessons that I learn to help others. Mm-hmm. In chapter three, you talk about coaching Caroline in Los Angeles. And I got to tell you, I was reading these passages and I could tell you were asking all the right questions of Caroline. What did she say to you exactly? She said to me, well, <laughs> I, I was, I was at the, it was, it was my, maybe it was my second coaching client. I can't remember, but I was green. I was new and yeah. I was trying to do what, you know, my schooling had taught me about coaching and was really nervous. And it, it was just, it was awkward. And finally she asked me, she said, but what do you see? What do you feel? I know you, Randy, and you're really, you're intuitive. You're good like that. What do you feel? And it was the first time I gave myself permission and I heard her. She gave me permission to let go of all the schooling and asking, you know, these, these, um, very simple questions questions and just communicate. Yeah, I really felt like you, you really just took it on. You just asked all the right questions. It's a natural thing just comes to you. Yeah. Well, thanks for perceiving that. And, And it, and, and, and it worked. And then she said, thank you for doing that. Yeah. And there was a huge turning point in my life because part of one, uh, one of my gifts, I guess I could say, is being intuitive. And I just shut that part down of myself for a long, 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 long time. And when she said that, something opened up inside me. And ever since, I've been giving myself permission more and more and more. And now that's just a part of the work that I do with people. Something opened up inside you. What is that? A force? Pandora's box. <laughs> um, it, no, just parts of me. You know, I, I feel that we all have this part of ourselves. Some people, it's more active than others. And for me, it was highly active as a child. You're a very sensitive child. A very sensitive child. And it just wasn't... And you got bullied. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. a degree. I was, I was smaller. I mean, I'm only 5'8 now. So uh, I was the smallest kid in my class for a long, long time. And I think, you know, a combination of my last name and being small, um, there were times that I got picked on. I mean, nothing, nothing horrible to speak yeah. of. But um, I think... But it affected your confidence. I think a lot of things affected my confidence yeah. as a child. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot to unpack there. Um, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. Where do I go with that one? <laughs> Chapter four, unlimiting your relationships. You talk about the butterfly effect. The flapping of a butterfly's wings in South America can affect the weather in Texas. Small causes, large effects. That's what this whole chapter is about. Now, this has been a while since you've written this book. Have you forgotten a lot of your book? <laughs> you know, it, it's all coming back to me as you're reading it. and it, I speak to a lot of authors. A lot of them have forgotten what they've yeah. written. No, it's funny. Every When, it, it, when you're saying these things, I'm right back into yeah. writing it because, yeah. I mean... I wrote it and I rewrote it and I edited it and I looked at it and it just after that it it it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's I'm dropping a lot on you. Um this was a very deep chapter. I mean you quote uh well you reference Einstein and Jung uh, about uh, the shared consciousness and the duality of consciousness. Can you touch on that so? 
it, what part of that interests you? Well, a shared consciousness. You know, what we do, how, how we act, you know, affects others in a huge way. And the yes. small actions we take can, you know, have huge consequences. This d- piggybacks off of the, the chaos theory, the butterfly effect. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. And, you know, part of, of what I, I talk with people about all the time, you know, because it's easy to walk in the world and think you're insignificant. I think, you know, and we've all heard you're a speck of sand, you know, on a beach. And and while I get, you know, the whole, um, what is it, Mark Manson, you know, we're all just this, it, I, I get that way of looking at it, like the anti-self-help, self-help. But I also think it's important, I also think it's important to know that on a daily basis, smiling at someone, practicing forgiveness, small things feeling gratitude something anything that makes a difference and if you affect one person that has a ripple effect from one to many Chapter 5, Unlimiting Your Source. We are more closely connected to the invisible than to the visible. What a profound quote. You talk about Lubesh Mm. in this chapter. Now, he took a spiritual journey to get closer to God. He befriended a guru. Quite an interesting story. And there's a few twists and turns in uh, in Lubesh's story. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right. Lubosh. 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 <laughs> so, Lubosh. Uh, Lubosh. Feels um, good to say that. Doesn't it? It, it just rolls off the tongue. Uh, yeah, he was um, basically, Guru, this was here in Portland. He was working yeah. for this guru for years, and yeah. he was a part of this, and he loved art. And he, you know, he was seeking and spiritually searching. And I won't go too much into the story other than his dreams and his art were just sort of pushed off to the side until some things started happening there. And Lubosh decided that it was time for him to move on. It was time for him to find his art. And he had a dream the night before that was pretty profound about how the interaction was going to go with the guru. Uh, And when that actually happened the next day, uh, he was able to be prepared because he had the dream. It went down before. exactly how we envisioned it. I like. I checked out his website. Beautiful pictures. Doesn't he have great stuff? Yeah, he's got a great eye. He has a great eye. One thing I want to add here: um, why I chose to include this story in unlimiting your source is to make a more expansive definition. And here he thought there was one way, and this was the way, and someone, his way to God, let's call it, was through someone. And he realized that it's in everything. It's through art. It's through messages that he gets. It's through friends. It's, it's so much more expansive than a one-way, one-doorway. And I thought that's important, right? I don't belittle anyone's religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs. And I wanted to add something to it that it can be even more expansive than a one-way, separate way of looking at things. 
Chapter 6, Unlimiting Your Dreams. Boy, this chapter, I think, you know, was one of my favorites. Most humans have 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day per the National Science Foundation. This is something you quote in the book. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. There are mental computers that we have, and most of those thoughts, uh, I don't want to bum anyone out here, but most of those thoughts can tend to be negative. And so, I mean... Very surprising to read this. I, I know. And, and I didn't... The, the whole purpose of this was to shed light on it, to bring yeah. awareness to the fact that our thoughts can be our worst enemy and that we really have to get control and become the computer programmer as opposed to be reactive to the computer itself. 95% of our thoughts are exactly the same as the day before. It's Groundhog Day. You're living the day before. There's a song about this called Every Day is Exactly the Same by Nine Inch Nails. Maybe yeah. think of that. You also note in this chapter that you ran a music production company for four years. I didn't know this. Yeah, it, it was a few years. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> my one of my closest friends and I started this uh, this music company, and we were just really passionate about it. And very similar to what I do now, I wanted to do music that uh, would influence people in a positive way. So my whole thing was, hey, let's reach people through music. And uh, when that avenue didn't fully work out for myself, I realized I didn't want to be in the music business in that way. Were you rapping? Were you actually rapping? Well, it started out where I was rapping. I wasn't planning on uh, being an artist myself. I just loved it. But I ended up working with some uh, some big rap artists at the time that I really, really enjoyed. And that led me to then being able to uh, put out some music with other people. You're a multi-talented fellow. Yep. <laughs> Chapter seven, you go hang gliding, you jump off a cliff in Brazil. Yes. Is this right? Yeah, that get this is right? right. That's right. You're a daredevil. <laughs> oh, no, I am not a daredevil. This was so anti what I wanted to do. And f- I'm scared yeah. of heights. That's what makes it so impressive. Well, I'm scared of heights. And yeah, so and talk about this. for this, you know, I had a pit in my stomach the whole time. And in fact, I actually had diarrhea the whole day leading up to this because I was in the book. That's an exclusive. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I know it's TMI here, but I mean, it was that much of a fear that it was causing that physical reaction in me. But yet that makes sense. You know, it turned out to my benefit that I did it and got past my fear. It did. How did it feel afterwards? Exhilarating. And I, I talk about this in the book. It was as if I was on the beach by myself waiting for uh, everyone else in my group to float on down. And I took a moment and it was as if someone blew all these bubbles by me. And one by one in each of these bubbles were fears that I've had. At the time, I had a fear of speaking. At the time, I had a fear of all these different things. And one by one, I just looked at them and just popped each bubble by tackling that fear. I realized I'm much bigger than this. I'm much bigger than the fear that I have. Fear of speaking? Really? You're so yes. well-spoken. You've got a great well, radio voice. Thank you. But You'll you take know, my job. Back <laughs> Uh, chapter eight, Unlimiting Your Inner Guidance. I don't have very many notes on this chapter. Can you briefly touch on that? Yeah, this was 
just meant to help people get more in touch with their intuition, with their guidance, and realize that oh, we all need this. Yeah, that messages come in, in so many ways, in so many forms. And I think it's easy to look at someone who is uh, intuitive or a medium or anything and go, oh, well, they have a gift and I don't. I think we, we get do. messages we all, all the time. It's just learning how to trust and tune in and learn how to ask and listen. It's great advice, really. I got a lot from this book. I got to tell you that again. I'm all so right. glad. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter nine, Unlimiting Your Path. Allison's story. Boy, this takes a few turns, this story. Allison, my goodness. What's going on with Allison? Oh, um... You know, I don't want to expose Allison too much, but her path has taken even more twists and turns oh, since this story. Um, and uh, I, I will say this. You're probably the only person who has asked, so you're the only person I'm going to tell this to. She met the love of her life. She found out what she wanted to do. And one of the big Chicago? things... Chicago? Uh, she didn't meet her, the love of her life in Chicago. But she met the love of her life, was living uh, still in Los Angeles, I believe. They had a child together. And unfortunately, uh, her child, um, she was a little bit nervous that the, the child was going to have a, a severe vaccine reaction because she had some allergy uh, in, from the same thing when she was little. And uh, her baby ended up dying eight hours later. So, um, yeah. How do you make sense of that? You know, there's so many tragic things that's very hard to make sense of. There's something you do touch on that in this book. It's not all fairly good. I no, mean, no. I mean, I wanted to show that not everybody's story wraps up with a bow, and like we talked about coming full circle at the beginning of us sitting down and talking, is that you know life is dynamic and moving and continues to move. And I'm humbled by the fact that, you know, there are a lot of things that are hard to deal with and we all just kind of do the best that we can. Life is dynamic. Life moves. Life is like an old LP record. There are many grooves in the, on that record and each contains a song. This is how Unlimiting Your Purpose Chapter 10 begins. Now, you are a poet. Thank you. Now, you, you went on a honeymoon. I mean, this is in Chapter 10. You went on a honeymoon uh, in Greece and Turkey, and you were feeling kind of down. You, you were comparing yourself to the top top pros in the game, Deepak Chopra. I mean, these are, these are self-help gurus that you compare yourself to. Now, so it made me think of uh, Robert Greene's book, The Laws of Human Nature, in which he talks about this, comparing yourself to mm-hmm. the greats. He says, compare yourselves to those who are less successful, which I thought was a funny way to, to sort of approach it. You talk about victim mentality. There's a lot in Chapter 10. I mean, yeah. I'm not even letting you talk, but uh, Cicely's story, my goodness, another story that just takes so many different turns. That was a So fun, many unpredictable turns. That was probably my favorite story in the book. Really? Just because I lived it with <laughs> It's her. dramatic. It's dramatic. And, and, and you know, I, I just visited, my wife and I visited um, her husband and two boys a year ago when we were in San Francisco. And, oh, really? I'm I mean, curious. What happened? She Happily ever after. She's really? living in Oakland with um, her husband and two boys. Yeah. <laughs> She went sailing in Australia and uh, started a business. Boy, I, you know, you got to read this book because there's too much of the story that I, I can't really cover here in a podcast. It's fun to hear my book in the most abridged version. It's okay. <laughs> It's amazing. It's Cliff Notes.
Bit of a transition now as, as Randy tells us about a very difficult time of his life when his father, Aaron Spelling, was struggling with cancer. You know, he was going through this slow, steady decline. And I think the, the hardest part about it was, the hardest part was that it was my father. The second hardest part was here was this television icon that was larger than life. And I never, you know, I, I was always the child who, you know, people asked, oh, is that your grandfather? He had me late yeah. in life, 58. And I said, no, that's, that's my dad. I never saw his age. He was just my dad. Yeah, exactly. He played tennis with me. Or he he would, didn't you know, age. You said that in yeah, the book. Yeah, it just, and now we were both facing his mortality week by week by week by week. And it was, it was slow. Around that time was also when I got caught up in addiction too. So between dealing with him and between my own struggles, uh, it was just a murky time all around. I do feel like I've moved on from that stage of my life. Of course, I will never move on from loving my father. Um, But, you know, now being a father and spending so much time with my own family, I'm starting to look, well, I already have started to look forward as opposed to, you know, before my own family, all I had was to look back. Look what I had, look what I didn't have, and focus on a combination of those. And now it's, look what I have. I lost my mother at 23. I'm in my 40s now, and I feel exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah. You have a YouTube series too, Evolving Guys. Yes. What is this? That's a good question. I'm not sure yet what it is. Uh, it's still developing. It's evolving. It's evolving. It is uh, basically it's the answer that a friend of mine, James Mahaley, and I had to making fun. James Mahaley. James Mahaley. Who is James? What? Who is, who is James? Uh, James. Friend of yours? No, he actually, uh, my neighbors about a block away said, there's this fascinating guy I think you would really connect with when he's up in Portland. Maybe you two can connect. And we tried to connect uh, during a, a Christmas time and it just didn't work out. And then he was up again in Portland and he said, hey, let's go grab coffee. And we did. And uh, in the middle of our conversation, conversation, we were cracking up and laughing about things that were happening all around us. We were talking about Portland and we just started talking about patterns and being guys and life and something that I have been really interested in. Who does that nowadays? I I mean, everybody's texting, you know, people don't have conversations eye to eye. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And we just started laughing about the, the, 
I don't know, the silliness of human patterns and behaviors, and especially as guys. And we thought it would be fun to do some skits and do a series where we tackled all of these different things. And, you know, truthfully, there's nothing that's the same. There are all these different skits. Uh, and we just want to have fun and play around with it. It's on your YouTube page, right? Is it? Uh, it's it's actually, it has its own page called Evolving Guys. Evolving Guys, okay. Yeah. And finally, I have to I have to talk about Stephanie Kralovich. Oh, yes. Stephanie Kralovich, you were recently uh, speaking with Stephanie on KPTV. Can you tell us about that experience? Uh, it's a great experience. Any time I get to spend with Stephanie is wonderful. I mean, we, we're, we're Instagram friends, and she'll always write and send me products. Hey, do you like this? Have you right. seen this? And I'll say, no, no, I haven't. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And she's just the sweetest. She shares enthusiasm. <laughs> but I have to know, why, why the laughter? Um, she is so upbeat, so happy. She's the reason why I'm on KBTV. She was my reference. She is a a ray of light. This was really fun to talk about your book because it's a very unique opportunity to have a podcast and read someone's book and then immediately talk to them about it. (laughs) I know I probably hit you with a lot. I was kind of manic, but we had a lot to cover. And I think this book is a wonderful read and I got a lot from it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Randy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Today's show was produced and edited by Gregory Day, that's me. If you'd like to contact me directly, you can reach me at greg at pdxpodcast.com. We'll be back very shortly. See you then. <laughs>